Likuti Sichas, Chelek Tezayin, Volume 16, the third Sicha for Parshas Beshalach. In this Sicha, is, we'll learn very interestingly the connection between the miracle of the Mon, the Mana that fell from heaven, and the observance of the Holy Day of Shabbos. Also, we'll bring out the true Jewish attitude and the healthy balance that we should have between working, between one making one's effort and being diligent about it in order to earn a living and at the same time having full and absolute faith in Hashem. So the first time that we find the commandment, discussion in the Torah about the mitzvah of Shabbos, of the observance of Shabbos, is in our Parsha. And actually in relation and in connection to the Parsha of the Man, meaning the story of the manna that fell from heaven. And not only does it seem so in our parsha, but actually in halacha, there is an opinion, and this is brought in the name of the Rasag, Rapsadya Goen, one of the great Goenim from the Goenic period, that he says that if one is in a very far distant place, obviously this is in yesteryear, with no means of communication, and has no idea, has lost track as to what parsha he should read that week, what Torah portion he should read that week, then he should read the universal Torah portion, which has a connection to and involves every single Shabbos. And that is the portion of this, from this week's parsha, which speaks about the story of the Mana, including the aspects of Shabbos in it. So that tells us that there's a very, very powerful connection, very powerful connection between the Mana and Shabbos. Moreover, another point where we see a powerful connection, Notwithstanding the fact that in actuality the man did not come down on Shabbos, meaning the man did not fall on Shabbos, they were instructed to collect double before Shabbos, still, yet, the Zohar says that the blessing for the mana, the blessing for the man for all the six days of the week came from Shabbos. And this actually is based on the Medrash, a Medrash going back to the beginning of Chumash Bereshis, of the book of Genesis, where it says over there, it describes when God uh, completed the six days of creation, it says there, and we say it every Friday night, Friday and God blessed the seven days. And it says, what did he bless it with? He blessed it with mana. So there's a very inherent connection between, correlation and connection between Shabbos and the man. However, if you look on the surface, it would seem to be, there would seem to be the following question. It seems that there isn't such a great connection, inherent connection between the two. Because if you think about it, Shabbat, Shabbos, applies to all times, in all circumstances, in all places. Whereas the man, the mana, only lasted for a certain small period of time. And a period of time which was almost, not almost, but a period of time which is never going to be repeated, and that is the throughout the, the 40 years that the Jews were in the desert. You know, perhaps one can try to answer by explaining it in the following manner. You see, there's a common denominator between the two. In other words, the, the explanation that can be given is, perhaps, because there's a common denominator. What's the common denominator? That if you look at the two, they have a very distinct quality, and that is that the man, the mana, the one didn't have to work for it. One didn't have to plow. One didn't have to sow. One didn't have to do any effort in order to receive it. Likewise, 
on Shabbat, in addition to the fact that in actuality you're not allowed to do any work, you're not allowed to do any tasks the Torah forbids us to do, but you have to be in such a great state of rest and pleasure on Shabbat that you're not allowed to even think, you're not allowed to even contemplate about you know, your needs and your work and your tasks that you need to do throughout the week. So it would seem so. However, let's take a look in our Parsha to get a little better appreciation of this. When we look at our Parsha, if you look in chapter 16, look at verse 4. It says over there as follows. Hashem says, Behold, I'm going to rain down. Remember this word. I'm going to rain down for you bread from heaven. And the people will go out and they will collect the quota for each day, day by day. In other words, they could collect that day for that day and for that day only. And then Hashem says, this is in order, Leman Anaseno, this is in order for me to test them, in order for me to challenge them, to see, Hayelech B'Tarasi if they're going to follow in my rules or not. And Rashi explains, Rashi elaborates, what does it mean that I'm going to test them to see if they're going to follow my rules? So Rashi says, are they going to follow the rules that are dependent, that are contingent with, of this special miracle of the man? Number one, that they're not going to leave anything over for the next day. And number two, that they're not going to go out on Shabbos to gather it. So here you see that the reason, so to speak, and the purpose, the objective of Hashem giving them the man is in order to prove, in order to instill in them, in order to test them, to see, quote, will they keep my commandments? Which commandments? Not to leave anything over for the next day and to keep Shabbat. So this tells us that there's something more here. It's not just about the fact that you didn't have to work, because the truth is that you did have to work, you did have to do something. You did have to collect it, you did have to prepare it, as we'll soon see. So what is really, what is it really about the man and in Shabbos, and, and, the, and the idea of Shabbos, the idea of the observance of this holy day of Shabbos, that makes them so related that has them so much in common that these two things come together and together they are the reason why Hashem gave us them on. What is it about that? In order to better appreciate this, let's first take a look. Let's better understand the novelty, so to speak, the superiority of bread from heaven versus or over bread from earth, right? The mana is called lechem in Hashemayim, the bread from heaven. What really makes it more distinct? What really is it, with what is it so much more special than the bread from earth? So let's take the obvious. When you have bread coming from the earth, the bread we eat, the food we eat, the thing, the food that sustains us, it all depends on the labor of the human being, the human being's involvement. In order, in other words, the person must do it through natural means, through normal means. The person has to plant, he has to sow, he has to, he has to, um, a plow, and then harvest, everything that it involves in cultivating the wheat, in making sure that there is bread. And therefore, think of the result in the person's feelings, in a person's psychology, the way the person perceives it. The person feels that, yes, true, we're talking about a believer, we're talking about somebody who believes in Hashem, and they know that even though they put in all the work, yet the blessing only comes from Hashem, or comes only from Hashem. But still at the same time, you feel your involvement. You feel the results of your work. You feel how that the fact that you worked so well and you did 
work with such diligence and therefore you have a good harvest and therefore you have a good crop uh, crop in addition to of course the fact that it came from Hashem but you feel you're part in it okay whereas the bread from heaven is exclusively so to speak from Hashem right it seems like that there's absolutely no input no involvement on the part of the human being and therefore you can see very clearly that it comes from Hashem okay and with this we can understand we could fully understand what is really the test that the people you know if, if quote if they're going to do the, uh, the 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 two mitzvot or they're going to fulfill these two mitzvot of you know that are involved in the that are involved in the in the in the aspect of the man and and that because this is the purpose of it that a person it should become you know instilled in the person and the person should be totally reliant on hashem and he shouldn't leave anything over for tomorrow we think about the psychology of it says you know you believe with absolute certainty that hashem will provide for tomorrow he provided for today he'll provide for tomorrow it makes sense it makes sense we can see how this idea comes out in that and that's what makes the quote the bread from heaven so special now think about it this way from this aspect we can actually understand and have a better appreciation as to why it happened so that when did the man when did the mana fall in other words when did it come down each and every day at the same time when the dew falls because there is an inherent relationship that is the talmud tells us tal loymetzer do never ceases it there could be sometimes god forbid a drought there can be a time of famine when we find that many times throughout the tanakh when there was no rain but the dew always falls and in other words dew is something that is not contingent on us as we'll soon understand a little better a little deeper and therefore it always comes down and to illustrate this to demonstrate this hashem made it so that them to tell us that the mana comes exclusively from Hashem and therefore it fell at that time however this is true but we still need to recognize the following and that is that although it all came from Hashem it was totally contingent on Hashem's will and Hashem's desire and therefore it's called lechem min hashamayim bread from heaven but at the same time there was some minimal involvement from on the part of the human being okay for example we know that there was a distinction between the righteous between the wicked and those kind of in between there's a description of everybody received that's for sure they didn't starve you didn't hear of any you know wicked people dying from hunger and where else would they get the food there was no other place to get it however there is a description in the sages described that first of all where they received it meaning the Tzaddikim, the righteous ones, they receive it right on the doorstep. They open the door, it's like receiving your newspaper in the morning. If anybody remembers what that is. The Mbeinunim, those kind of in between, your average person, they received it, they had to go out there into the field. But even there, they didn't have to go look for it and toil and work hard. They kind of went there and picked it up. It's like going, you know, to the corner grocery store and picking up your breakfast and food for the day. The wicked ones... They had to go out there, spread out, and go until they were able to find it. They had to work much harder. Likewise, the righteous ones, it says, it came to them as lechem, as bread, ready to eat, ready to go, 
warm bread. And the wicked ones, they actually had to go and work it and, and, and grind it just like one would buy, you know, would get wheat, would get grain, and they have to start the entire process until they can produce flour and they mix it with water and then knead it and turn it into a dough and then, and then bake it and so on and so forth. That is true. That is true. The, 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 the average person, it came caught as cakes. They still had to bake it. They still had to cook it, but it was, it was ready to cook. It's like buying a frozen dough, so to speak, okay? This explains why Hashem uses the term, I will rain down to you. I will make rain to you this manna. Because you see rain, the key to rain, it says, is in the hands of the Almighty. The, king's to, the key to rain, only Hashem can decide when it can rain. And Hashem does decide when it rains. However, at the same time, the rain is contingent. It depends on the merits of the people. And therefore, when people merit it, as we say in the second um, chapter of Shema, when you do the mitzvot, when you do what's right, Hashem says, I will give you rain. In other words, we do have the ability to trigger somehow, in some way, Hashem's desire to give rain. Ultimately, it's in His hands. But we have some input, some involvement. So to summarize, the manah was exclusively coming from Hashem, yet at the same time, it wasn't absolute. There was some minor involvement on behalf of the human being, of the person receiving the manah. Okay? This will help us explain what's going on over here. You see, the whole purpose of the man was to prepare them. To prepare them for what? For where they were going. They're going to Eretz Yisrael. And what happens in the land of Israel? Over there, they're going to have to work the land. And this Hashem was instilling in them. He was training them to, to believe and to constantly feel and see that notwithstanding the fact that they're going to have to work the land and they're going to have to do harv- to, 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 to plow and to sow and to, and to cultivate and then later to harvest and then to grind and do everything that it takes to prepare foods. But still, they will always remember based on this, because it's become instilled in them, it become like a second nature in them, that they should know and feel that ultimately it comes from Hashem. Ultimately it comes from Hashem. See, because if the mana would have come exclusively just from Hashem, without whatsoever involvement from the human being, then there wouldn't be a connection between the two. In other words, why did Hashem do it? Hashem was able to give us the mana in such a manner that we don't have to have any involvement whatsoever. Why didn't He make it land on their tables? Well, precisely for this reason. Because if it would have came like that, then at the time when the person is in the land of Israel working the ground, he wouldn't feel that absolute connection. Because he would feel like, okay, then it was this miraculous thing. Then it was above nature. But right now the reality is, and not just the reality that I made up, but a reality that Torah tells me is a reality that I have to be connected to nature and I have to work with nature, and I have to cultivate, you know, through natural means, and earn my livelihood, earn my sustenance. How does that connect to the mana? Therefore Hashem made that even at the time when He was giving it from His will, so to speak, on His volition, still He made it so that the human being should have so some little involvement. And this actually serves as an amazing lesson for when we are involved in the nature, to tell us that the bracha, the blessing that comes about, the earnings that come about, are not a direct result, measure for measure, to what the effort that we put in. 
In other words, we have to put in our effort. But the results, the blessings are exponentially greater, similar to the idea of the man. We just did a very little bit just to collect it or just to bring it in and just to prepare it. But the actual blessing that comes from Hashem. This is the idea of the mana. This is the idea of what Hashem tried to instill in the people. And now actually we'll understand another beautiful thing that we do each time when we eat bread. We do the Birkat Amazon. We do the blessing after the meal. Now if we know the breakdown of the blessings, there are a total of four blessings in the Birkat Amazon. The first two, so the first one was actually instituted by Moshe Rabbeinu. And it says, why did he institute it? He instituted when the manna began to fall for the Jewish people. In other words, the first blessing really is a blessing about the man, about this wonderful miracle of bread falling from heaven. The second blessing was instituted by his successor, by his student, his disciple, Yehoshua, after bringing the Jewish people into the land of Israel. And now eating from Tfuat Haaretz, eating from the produce of the land, that's when he instituted the second blessing in which we say at the end that we thank you Hashem for the land and for its food that it produces. And then the third blessing is about Jerusalem, has to do with King David and King Solomon and Yudavid and Shlomo. Question is, does it really make sense? If you think about it logically, I just ate food. Food from right here, right now, in real time, I just filled myself up with the food, with the nutrients of it. Why would I make a blessing? Why would a blessing that is talking about what happened in the past, something that doesn't even exist anymore, why would that be an expression of gratitude, a way of thanking Hashem for something that I ate right here, right now? That's the answer. That what we're saying is, when we are eating now, True, we're eating food that are, that's, that's a result of work and effort that was put into cultivating this food that we did from as we're supposed to do in accordance with what the Torah directs us to do, that we have to make our effort, we have to do our part. But at the same time, we're saying is, we know, we absolutely recognize, and this is what we're expressing, that ultimately it comes because of Hashem, just like the man, the man came. And that's why the first blessing in Birkat Amazon, the first blessing we thank Hashem, which is really the main blessing, it really is the main blessing, according, if you know, according to Halacha, has several ramifications. The main blessing is over our food, in real time now, is about the manna back then. And now we'll understand the special connection from the man to Shabbos. You see, in Shabbos there are three things. Number one, about the needs for Shabbos. A person has to eat on Shabbos, a person has to celebrate on Shabbos. Well, the halacha is that as the Talmud says, that, the, that Hashem, so to speak, says, Livo alai vani pereya. Borrow on me and, and I'll pay up. In other words, a person sees that they don't have, realistically, they don't have the means. They don't have the funds to go and buy luxurious food for Shabbos. Maybe even no food. How are they going to eat Shabbos? How are they going to make a blessing over the wine and over the bread and so on and so forth? Hashem says, don't worry. Go out there, borrow some money, and I'll take care of business afterwards. In other words, when you don't see any whatsoever way how it's going to work out, Hashem says, I'll take care of it. Fantastic. Yet on the other hand, you see something very interesting. The halacha is that when could you do this? When could you go with total blind and absolute faith in Hashem? And say, I'll borrow for Shabbos, I'll have a beautiful Shabbos, and Hashem will take care of it. It's only if, if you have some assets, 
something, some physical, some material assets that with which technically you can put up collateral. In other words, you have some basis. If you don't, then the halacha is that you're not allowed to. You don't have to just go recklessly and borrow money. You can't do that. So here you see already a very strong comparison to the man. At the same time that you have total faith in Hashem, you still need to have a connection to reality. You still need to have your part, so to speak, anchored down, harnessed to the reality of nature. Likewise to what Hashem wants us to do in the working in the world. And now there's a third thing that you see, that Shabbos influences the entire week. Meaning that Shabbos blesses the whole week, on Shabbos, you refrain from work and you totally connect to Hashem. Thus, that when you are busy and involved with the mundane tasks throughout the week, it's under the total influence that really, I am working, but everything comes from Hashem. I'm doing my part because Hashem wants me to do my part. I'm going to make my maximum effort. But the blessings that I get are exponentially beyond my, quote, maximum effort. The question is, then why is it that notwithstanding all of the above, no mana came down on Shabbos? Not only they weren't allowed to collect on Shabbos, Hashem did not make it rain on Shabbos. Well, the answer is, and this is deep, that remember we mentioned the mana has the aspect of rain too. And although we did say, we did qualify that rain has a connection and is somewhat contingent to an extent on the merit of the person, meaning on the involvement and the input of the human being. And the same is like we mentioned with Shabbos. But still, ultimately, that is only the rain as it comes down. But in the, so to speak, in the heights, in the upper worlds, in the essence of it all, the rain really is totally and absolutely contingent on Hashem's will and has nothing to do with us at that very high level. And that's what we find in Shabbos. That even though Shabbos has to have some connection to reality, but that's only before Shabbos. That means when you're preparing to Shabbos, when you still are coming, you're approaching Shabbos, so to speak, from a natural, realistic approach. On Thursday, on Friday, you're still connected to that reality. But once you've been elevated on Shabbos itself, you're in a totally different place. Shabbos is in a totally different place. Shabbos is even beyond raining down the rain or raining down the mana or bringing down that something. Shabbos is totally and absolutely beyond. Shabbos is holy. Holy means separated. Totally above and beyond. And now we can appreciate better the connection between the mana and Shabbos. This really instills, infuses, inspires our every single day of the week. The idea of the mana, the idea when we do Birkat Amazon, and the idea of Shabbat, that every single day of the week, even when we're involved in the busy, nitty-gritty of day-to-day life, the hustle, the bustle, trying to earn a living, or like people say, make a living, we realize that the one who really makes the living, the one who really makes us earn everything, is Hashem Himself.